weekly look at what's happening at the grassroots underneath the mass media radar in our own community as well as in cities across the country through the lens of the C-Click-Fix problem-solving website. Joining me as always in the studio are C-Click-Fix's Caroline Smith and Ben Berkowitz with the latest citizen-powered news. We have three special guests today. Two are speaking to us via phone from Memphis, Tennessee, Carolyn Malone, the 311 call center supervisor, and Michael Jones, their deputy chief information officer. Caroline and Michael, can you hear me? All right, well, welcome to the show. We're going to be uh, working on getting you more in touch with our um, fellow hosts of C-Click Fix, but just hang on for a couple of minutes, because first we have another guest. We'd love for you to listen to what we're going to talk to him about. His name is Giovanni Zinn, and he's the city engineer for New Haven. Now, he's going to be, you're going to find out minute why he's here, but the hint is he will shed some light on a city issue. And we should mention that today's program was made possible in part thanks to support from Yale New Haven Hospital. So, Caroline, I think we're going to start with Caroline or Ben to talk about the New Haven news from C-Click Fix. Sure, I can kick it off. Uh, yeah. Tell us about the streetlights, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. We got a street lamp. It's open at 94-110 Court Street in New Haven. Uh, and it was reported by the um, nefarious Ben HV. Nefarious? Is that a good adjective <laughs> for myself? I don't know what I am. Uh, I have 96,175 civic points. And normally I wouldn't post <laughs> my own issue here. But uh, this, this issue is a bit humbling because what you'll see uh, is that an individual has actually posted um, a sign on the street lamp that says uh, that the issue, they actually posted an eight and a half by 11 uh, flyer on the street lamp that stated that the issue has been reported multiple times to C-Click Fix and uh, has not actually been resolved. Um, and so we actually found that original issue. And... Um, uh, fortunately, after I, I posted that the light was out and that this eight and a half by 11 sign saying that the light had been out for a while and had been unresolved, uh, there, there comes a comment back from the city of New Haven's street lighting division. And, uh, I think, um, I'm, I'm seeing a hand up in the office here. Apparently that, that person is willing to reveal themselves <laughs> as the one and only. <laughs> so Giovanni you were the guy, thing. so Giovanni's in city engineer. You were the person who responded because I didn't see a name on that. I was the person that responded. Yes, that's correct. Cause so, you used the name. What was it that you used here that I thought was interesting? Street lighting division. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's your alias. Is that like a rap name? Uh, well, something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we try to, you know, the thought was to set up an account that didn't have a person's name, but rather different could be people, different could people different that could do it. Uh, I mean, in practice, it turns out that it's me. But, uh, you know, we were very, uh, you know, I'd actually seen the original issue uh, and uh, had driven past it. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, light looked fine. You know, it's one of the uh -huh. three uh, solar powered uh, street lights that we have in uh, the city. And it's actually an interesting story how they, they sort of became. Um, you know, it's a, it's a bridge, uh, the Court Street Bridge over the rail yard, and there was no. Uh, uh, electricity in the bridge and uh, we had to uh, somehow get light there and it was an active you know Amtrak rail yard and all this other stuff so doing any construction would be impossible so we actually found you know a, a solar product was the way to go a little more expensive than your typical street light actually a lot more why expensive. did we want solar 
Who doesn't uh, want solar, Paul? Really? Right, I want solar, but why is it we want solar? Because then it burns fewer fossil fuels, right? We're getting the power from the sun. We're not destroying the planet. Right. Okay. Yes. I mean, I think the uh, I, I think you have sort of two different issues there. One is having solar directly on a streetlight, which is actually probably not the most efficient way to get you know 100% clean energy to your street lighting system because you have to store it right there. Uh, in this case, because we are over an active rail yard, um, it would be a lot harder to put in the conduit and the cables and all that sort of stuff in the bridge uh, to feed a typical street light. So uh, this was a, a wonderful solution uh, and a cost-effective one. So um, getting back to the <laughs> issue that Ben posted, uh, you know, I had driven by it. I saw it was on. I typically drive by and do my drive arounds, you know, uh, right after work. So it was early in the evening. Um, and I had neglected to see uh, on Ben's initial post that he had posted at 11 o'clock at night. Mm. And typically if a light mm. is on, you know, a regular street light on at, you know, six, seven o'clock, you know, it was winter time, uh, it would be on at 11 o'clock at night. And I hadn't thought about, you know, the fact that we had battery storage there. So as soon as, uh, uh, you know, I saw, I saw again, a posting saying, Hey, you've never done this. And I saw actually a posting that had the picture of the infamous, uh, eight and a half by 11. Right. Uh, you know, I was like, Oh man, what's going on here? So I actually pulled up the city's camera system Ooh. of all things. And you do some pretty, you're pretty diligent about following C click fix <laughs> and going out at all times and checking out stuff. Well, I, I try to, you know, but I thought you uh, make like a good salary as city engineer. I think that's for people who don't make much money. <laughs> Well, I like to think I'm vertically integrated. I do anything from. And you got the, little kids, right? Yeah, I got three little kids. All so, right, well, know. proceed. Okay. Um, the uh, <laughs> Ben's so, shaking his head. He knows this. So story. it was actually a very poor quality camera. I think it was one of our older cameras, but I was able to catch sort of just the corner of the bridge, and I couldn't see the light directly, but I could see the area where the light was shining. And, and sure enough, uh, early in the evening, uh, the light was on, and then you could just sort of see it because it was one of those cameras, mm -hmm. a PTZ camera, so it spins around. And I would see it next time it turned around, light was gone. So now we uh, now we know what the problem is. It's a transient problem. Um, you know, what's a transient problem? Something that comes and goes. Yeah, I mean, it's a problem that basically. I mean, my suspicion is that we uh, you know we probably have a battery pack that's failing in the okay. light. Uh, so we'll uh, you know the battery pack is able to power the light or for some time. Could also be the charging circuit, but uh, most likely it's the battery. Uh, it can power the light for a short period of time, and then it goes out. So, you know, if we were to check it during the day or go early in the evening, the light would appear functional. Um, but I think it was good with C-Click Fix having a timestamp and you know, also the follow-up to be able to uh, to track that down. Well, this really is like citizen-powered government in action. It, uh, so what did is? you do next? I love it when the digital system failed, they went straight back to analog. That's, <laughs> That's, That's right. And and the, the call out, by the way, in like 200 point aerial font was fix me. And I feel like the answer is we will. Right. Yeah. So have you some, fixed yeah. it or what's the Well, status? no, we were actually going to be out there this morning, but we had an, an emergency signal issue. Um, that, that took the crew and the bucket truck away. Uh, it's kind of a boutique thing, so I had to schedule some time. I have to be out there for it, and, and my calendar's pretty nuts. But uh, we are scheduled for first thing tomorrow morning. I'll oh. be out there uh, opening it up and seeing what, what's going on. Mm. What is uh, first thing? What time? I, it's some, either 8 or 9, somewhere in there. And you need a bucket truck to do it? Yeah, I mean, the, the electronics are up in a, uh, a gray box. Mm. Uh, you'll see post, you know, attached three-quarters of the way up the post. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm actually pretty curious. I've never seen the inside of one of these. I don't think any of us have after they've gone up, right. contractor put them up and it's now been roughly five years. So 
that sounds about right for the batteries going. So if it is a battery packs, we'll swap out the other two lights. Uh, now, of course, the other does. issue with this bridge. Okay, so the, part of what's going on here is that Giovanni, you as city engineer and some of the others in key positions in government have decided we want a greener city. I mean, you've done fuel cells. You've done all this sort of re-engineering buildings to use less power, green roofs, all that kind of stuff. So part of this is the reason we have the street light that we need to figure out how to fix when this stuff goes wrong, thanks to C-Click Fix, is that we just have to get used to new technology for how our lights work. But the other old-fashioned challenge here was that people were scared to walk across that bridge. Now, Wooster Square is one of the great neighborhoods in New Haven. People love to live there. It's beautiful around that park and the whole history of the brownstones and the cherry blossoms. And yet it's like on a map, it's half an inch from downtown. I mean, it takes like five minutes to walk. So it makes a great urban neighborhood. But you got to walk over the railroad tracks. It gets dark at night. And in fact, before you put those lights in, people were getting mugged on that bridge and it's an active block watch. So we saw how policy evolved here to get to this light. Right. So when you go out there tomorrow morning, you're not just going to be helping to make the planet greener. You're going to be helping to connect a neighbor to downtown and help a modern city work. Yeah, no, and, and that was a definite challenge. I mean, I think the the cost of those three lights, and I was involved, this was before my time, I think it was something around $50,000. So it was a pretty expensive project. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly Chapel Street, which is one bridge down, which has the same issue. Those are actually the two brightest street lights in the, in the entire city. Mm. Um, you know, they got 120 LED chips each, and that's really to provide that big blast of light. That was actually uh, our current transportation chief when he was an alder that did that. So... Um, let, let there be light. Yeah. Well, you are listening to C-Click Fix Radio with Caroline Smith and Ben Berkowitz from C-Click Fix. We got Giovanni Vin, Zinn, excuse me, the the, the uh, city engineer in New Haven, who I hope will be back many times because he works in some of the most interesting, wacky, yet public policy relevant projects in our city. And on the phone from Memphis, Tennessee, we have Carolyn Malone, the 311 call center supervisor, and Michael Jones. Deputy Chief of Public Information. Folks, can you hear me? Thanks for staying on the line. Yes. Great. Hey, you know, what did you think when you were listening to Giovanni Zinn? Did you think of anything going on in Memphis, either involving greener energy, LED lights for street lights, or key places people walk that connect either a neighborhood to downtown or different parts of the city together? Are you working on issues like that right now in Memphis? Uh, not, not exactly. Uh, we do have the bike lane, which which connects to different um, mm. areas of the city. So the bike lanes are really big in Memphis right now. Mm. Uh, a lot of citizens are using them. It goes from what we call our Chevy Farms area all the way to Midtown to downtown. So right now the bike lanes are the the major thing that's going on, and we're putting bike lanes all over the city. So and is there lighting? Place, a lot of are there, are there lighting issues? Do you hear on C-Click Fix? Um, uh, well, we have some lighting issues, but 311 don't necessarily deal with the lighting issue. It goes to our MLG and W department, mm-hmm. and MLG and W has their own customer service department. Okay, mm-hmm. So it's a big difference from what it is. And Mr. Giovanni, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit different how we do it in Memphis with our lighting. Uh, the city of Memphis used to be responsible for lighting, but now it is done by the MLG and Dutch, which is part of the city of Memphis, but a, a little bit branched off from the city government. Mm. Okay. T- tell us about those bike lanes. What kind of bike lanes you got? Are they protected bike lanes? Are they sharrows? How, how do they? Oh, uh, no. God, I hope they're, they're not sharrows. Well, <laughs> they're, no, they're not. <laughs> Thank God. We, we they're, might have to ban right you from future the, episodes. They're right on the, the side of the street, you know, they 
have they have uh, took part of the street to make bike lanes, which is is really good. A lot of people do ride the bikes in Memphis, so mm-hmm. they are just the regular bike lanes on the side of the. They cut off a little part of the street to make bike lanes to go down uh, different sections of the street. It's pretty much all over the city now. Um, we we have a lot of people wanted to have the bike lanes, so it has been a big 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 pr- uh, promotion about bike lanes and, and encouraging people to ride bikes and things like that. So Carolyn, we've had a lot of those. We've had a lot of those in New Haven, and it's we have a new proposal for separated bike lanes, meaning you put up these uh, delineators to separate physically the bikes from traffic. That's actually provoked debate uh, in our city. There are tensions between drivers who feel like the road right. is theirs and those pesky cyclists like me who aren't always great at following the rules that we're in the way. <laughs> and the cyclists feel like the drivers right. don't want to share the road and really obnoxious in their big boats with wheels. Do you see that in Memphis? Are people getting along together? Is there a culture change? It's a culture change, yes. It's definitely a culture change. Uh, we do have, like you said, we have people that do not want to share their road <laughs> with the bikers. But uh, I think that we have been doing it for a while now, and, and we are kind of getting used to it. And when I say us, I mean everybody that's driving in the cars are getting used to the bikers. Because you do see a lot of bikers, especially downtown area. They do a lot of biking down here. And, they, and we encourage even our employees to ride their bikes to work. So, mm. yes, yeah, it's, a, it's a big culture change. <laughs> How how are you in, uh, encouraging employees to to bike to work? I'm sorry. How how are what are there specific programs for encouraging employees to bike to work? We we heard about I think a bike share in Burlington, Vermont, a couple episodes ago, and I'm just curious if there's any special things you're doing to get to get employees to bike to work. Well, I think we're doing the health uh, health kick. Oh, interesting. And so that's that's one of the big things, you know, to get healthy, to ride your bike. So we 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 do a little bit of the health kick in uh, city government, trying to get like say employees to come in and ride their bikes. And I think a uh, and, and Mike may want to chime in, but a couple times I think we had a a little promotional thing where we was asking the employees to ride your bike and not take you know not drive your car so what is health kick carolyn what is health kick is that a promotion do ads or emails is that a slogan yeah through emails through emails from from the human resource department it's a it's an email that goes out to all the employees of city memphis to try to uh, get everyone to like say get on the health kick (laughs) and uh, ride your bike we actually have bikes uh, where you can check them out and ride them up and down the uh, Main Street area here because we have a lot of city entities that are located uh, mm. around City Hall that it's possible to bike to. So you can actually go down into the garage and check a bike out if you'd right. like. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That way, so. um, Michael and Carolyn. And I wanted to address also that the, we do have delineated uh, uh, oh, yes. excellent. We call right. them rubber duckies. Yeah. <laughs> they seem a little less yeah. threatening. Though. Did you guys bike to work today? How'd you guys get to work? Uh, well, I rode in the BMW. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A BMW bike, right? I've heard you got some of those now. So fly. <laughs> uh, Michael, uh, quite a way to get here. So. Uh, Michael and Carolyn, Sorry. I'm always uh, interested in that like shift from advocacy to infrastructure. And so in Memphis, you talked a little bit about it seems like there are a lot of people who are really interested in bike lanes. Was that um, focused around one advocacy group, like one neighborhood, um, one kind of uh, a few different individuals? What did that community push look like in Memphis? I'm sorry. I, I didn't understand the course. I'm sorry. Mm. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, just interested in like the shift from 
community advocates, so people saying we want bike lanes, to actual infrastructure, the actual built bike lane, because that's definitely where New Haven is right now, is that there are a lot of people who want it, but they haven't been necessarily built yet. And I guess I'm curious, what did that community push look like in Memphis? Was there one kind of group of individuals who were really pushing for the bike lane? Was it widespread across the city? What did that community push look like? I'll chime in on that a little bit, Carolyn. Okay. One of the things uh, from the previous administration, that's what the people were asking for, bike Mm. lanes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Memphis was also listed as one of the cities that did not have such a a venue. So that was uh, one of his campaign uh, uh, promises, if you will, to to start the bike lane uh, project. Mm. And I guess he wanted to... He didn't want it to just limit it to a particular neighborhood that was asking for them. He wanted to promote it all over the city. Right. Uh, I think it's. I think it's catching on. Because I see bike people riding bikes everywhere now. Yeah. Uh, now you have some areas that it just didn't work. Uh, Carolyn was alluding to downtown. We had a situation here uh, two months ago uh, on Riverside Drive. That's kind of like our drive by the river. Mm. Uh, we cordon off a whole street. Yes, for bikers. I mean, mm. so one you got, wow. you know how you know how the street is divided up by the trees. You have, you know, you know how the traffic uh, goes the opposite way and is divided by trees. They took the lane, one of the lanes, and moved it over. So you just had uh, one lane of traffic each way, and then made it well, and made the rest of the uh, parkway for bikers. People were pissed off. Now the bikers might have liked it, but the people that drive to work and trying to get here in a hurry and and try to tour that area in cars, I know it was a, a major uproar. Uh, in, in that fashion. so you have to adjust. I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You have right. to adjust and be fair. You know, uh, as they come more prevalent, I think people are are, are seeing, hey, this this could be advantageous to to, mm. uh, to my health and getting to work. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the, delineation, the delineation areas are just areas with high traffic and people constantly violate, violating uh, parking in those bike lanes. Right. So that's why they put up the, 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 the delineation uh, poles. When, did you, when right. did you do that? Is that why you did them, Mr. Jones? You did it because uh, people were parking in the bike lanes? Yeah. You got two, yeah, two, three reasons, really. You got uh, blind spots where people turn. Uh, you have people parking in the uh, in the bike lanes, and you just wanted to be safe for the bikers that ride in those high traffic areas. Mm-hmm. So when did you where, when did you put these up? When when and where did you put the? Uh... Those went up uh, back in November, I believe. Right. Oh wow, this is mm-hmm. Caroline, do we have other news stories from C Click Fix? In Memphis, Tennessee? Absolutely. So we have a, an excessive litter issue, which was reported at a 20 or 4022 Tukulahoma Road, Memphis, Tennessee, viewed 13 times. Reporter is Mike, who has 170 civic points. In the description, can the DUI litter cleanup team head over to this street to clean up? It has lots of litter and garbage on both sides of the road. Now, who is the DUI litter cleanup team? So the comments... Um, delineate a little bit further. So Lady Donald comments, a cleanup is scheduled for this particular area. 
on Saturday, April 16th, 2016, Clean Memphis and Tukulahoma Corridor Neighborhood Watch are conducting the cleanup for this area uh, at that time. Please see, and then they include a link with event details as well as a little poster um, for the for the actual cleanup event itself. And Mike responds, awesome, thanks. And Lady Donald chimes in again, you're welcome, Mike. City, please check with Janet Buscarino. Since this event was scheduled more than a month ago, maybe you all like to participate on that day. Um, and Mike says, I'll be in Nashville that morning, but I need to get on her email list for future cleanups. So that is a, a kind of a beautiful and incredible thing. And Caroline, I think you have a little bit more uh, insight into this Clean Memphis team. That apparently they kind of check up on Seacliff Fix and uh, um, plan and organize a lot of these cleanup events. They do. And uh, like you stated, Janet Boscarino is the um, coordinator for the uh, Clean uh, Clean Memphis crew. Ja- now, Janet Boscarino and that group do not work for the city of Memphis. Mm-hmm. But we do coordinate with Ms. Boscarino and what our City Beautiful Department does and coordinate cleanups. Okay, and I know about the, it's two of the homework where they're going to do the cleanup. And it's one of the major high volume of litter with people throwing stuff out the cars. And so Clean, clean Memphis and City Beautiful all usually set up a lot of cleanups for the city because we have uh, clean Memphis has coordinates with uh, county which they have some inmate crews they have um, inmate crews to come out and help them with this sometimes okay so in this effort they are going to have some inmates out to help them clean up this but um, they also uh, we do what we call the neighborhood meetings and we go to a lot of neighborhood association meetings. When I say we, uh, 311 does also, along with uh, City Beautiful and Office of Community Affairs. And we coordinate together uh, uh, efforts trying to get whatever we need to be, whatever needs to be done instead of towards cleaning up. And so the, the DUI, which he, he really misquoted, he put DUI, it's not what it's called. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's really not what it's called, but uh, anyway, that's, that's their take on it and that's what they are saying but that's not what the name of it is it's really not a a specific name it's just a coordination between the city of memphis and and, and, uh, clean memphis to get the city cleaned up and they do do a lot um on the uh see click fix and also and as i talked to you earlier homeowners association are using much more now Mm. You know, pictures aren't worth a thousand words, and they're loving the pictures. Yeah, and it helps us also to see a picture of what you're uh, complaining about. So the secret fix is used by a lot of the homeowner association uh, citizens that are doing the clean Memphis. Um, then the neighborhood associations also, and it's great for them because they can create more than one complaint on the secret fix, and that gives them a um, a feeling of a control. Sometimes I believe because they think that okay, I get it on here, I got I got my um, information, and I can keep up with what's going on with it. So. Personally, I'm loving C-Click Fix. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're, and we're, and we're yeah. loving hearing from Memphis, Tennessee on this week's edition of C-Click Fix Radio on WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio, broadcast at 103.5 FM and live streamed at newhavenindependent.org. We're talking C-Click Fix Radio news with Caroline Smith and Ben Berkowitz of the problem-solving new website C-Click Fix and our special guest, Carolyn Malone, the 311 call center supervisor, and Deputy Chief Information Officer Michael Jones, direct from Memphis, Tennessee. Caroline, what are the news that we have from Memphis, from the participants in C-Click Fix? Sure thing. So, oh, Caroline? 
We oh cued the wrong Caroline. Okay. <laughs> Caroline. It gets Caroline. Okay. It gets confusing. <laughs> um, so uh, let's see. We have a uh, substandard derelict structure issue uh, at twelve fifty eight East Brooks Road, uh, viewed five times. Also, Uh-oh. reporter another another person named Mike. Um, description: Old restaurant building is falling down. Unsafe and very ugly. Um, and the, there are some secondary questions. Is this property occupied or vacant? He said vacant. Is the problem with the exterior interior? He says exterior. I'd be interested if you put interior. Um, yeah. uh, and then what is the specific bo- uh, problem that the building is is falling down? And I, the reason why this one particularly stood out to me is I noticed that there are a number of different sort of substandard derelict issues that were reported. Um, another one by uh, by Jennings Benner um, that's talking about a house that's used by squatters and and that kind of thing, but I noticed that was a little bit of a little bit of a trend as well as litter in in Memphis. Um, and I was wondering, Carolyn, if you have any thoughts on that particular trend of of derelict structures being reported a lot. Uh, yes, mainly. Um, okay, I'm gonna go by the first one. You uh, twelve fifty eight East Brooks Road. Mm-hmm. That is a commercial building, and I believe that's the old kettle building. Um, but what has happened with that is that we 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 partnered with Shelby County Code Enforcement also. Uh, so this was what actually reported to them. What they are doing is, and the information that was given to me, um, they are they are pending um, in, interior weather for is what they're going to be able to do, and they have contact on to repair or demo the building. So a lot of times these buildings are dilapidated because, of course, the owner haven't done what they're supposed to do, or is they they lost money or things of that nature. A lot of the owners are, are most of the time out of towners, mm-hmm. and uh, we kind of had a conversation about this last week. Out, out of towners or in town, it doesn't matter whoever's not taking care of their property. The city goes through a process, and so does the county. They will go through a process. Um, now, I'm not going to speak a whole lot on what the county does because I, I really don't know their process that much. But the city process uh, for dilapidated property. We are we are trying to get owners to actually rehab their properties more so than try to tear it down. Because mm. if you tear it down, it comes to be a eyesore again. Because now yeah. you got to keep the grass cut mm-hmm. and things of that nature. So uh, they are working toward trying to get more owners to at least say, "Okay, we won't tear this down. The structure is good enough to keep up. We'll just, you know, we're trying to get them to rehab more than tear it down." Um, like I said, a lot of people lose their homes. For whatever mm-hmm. reason they lose it, or uh, business, or what have you. So instead of trying to, I, I guess trying to hurt a property owner by saying I'm going to turn this down and we'll charge you, mm-hmm. let's talk about it. Let's see if we can rehab these. Okay, yeah. and we do have a lot, and you know people lose their jobs and things of that nature. So you never know what's going on with a, a property, and so the city is really big about trying to help uh, citizens to actually get back on their feet. I'm, I guess I could say it like that, give you time mm-hmm. to rehab and, uh, you know, take care of your property. But it's a long period of time it's torn down. The structure's not good. They just tore one down, not far from my home, matter of fact, that has been up for about two years. The tree fell down in the roof of it. And so they kind of went through the process of getting the home uh, torn down. So it just got torn down last week. And so um, and with that case, it was nothing they can do about it because I think there was no way you can build a home back. The structure was damaged. The big tree was on top of it. So. We we are we do have a lot of them, but we're working. I think, and Mike and I don't know if you know the the percentage of how many we have torn down, but we have torn down more. We tore down more homes last year than we had torn down since I've been with city government, which is eighteen years. <laughs> mm. So um, we're working toward trying, like, say, rehab the homes. 
Can I ask you yeah, something about I mean, old restaurant? Process. I'm sorry, what did you say, Michael? I said it's a process of also educating the uh, citizens as to, uh, you know, how we can proceed with right. excavating a home. Mm -hmm. It's just, you just can't send a uh, request in to see click fix and then we come over and tear the home down. So. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> you mentioned I old restaurants, and this is off topic, I know. The only time I was in your fair city was on my honeymoon in 1983. And mm -hmm. I went to a fantastic blues club. And at the time on Beale Street, I think it might have been the only one going. And I just looked up. I thought it was the B.B. King Club. But on the web, it says the B.B. King Club didn't open until 91. But it's my, A, what club did I go to? And B, because <laughs> it was a memorable night. And B... I hear, I've read that you've really built on that in recent years, that you've turned blues into a magnet, a tourist magnet, and you have a whole district now luring people to hear blues music in Memphis. Is that true? I don't know what you went to, but on I, you Beale don't Street know. has been going. Beale Street has been on fire since, I don't know, 83? That's when we were there. Mm -hmm. It was on fire that one spot that night, yeah. <laughs> I wish we could cue I mean, the I'm Carmen San Diego theme music right now. <laughs> <laughs> One of the major tourist attractions here. So, uh, well, how many clubs do you have now, Michael? How many blues clubs are there in town? Uh, I, I would say on Beale Street alone, it's probably at least, what, six or so? Mm -hmm. I couldn't name it off the top of my head, at least six, yeah. But fun fact, fun, fun fact, my dad used to own a blues club. Really? Where was that? The Acadia Ballroom on Whaley Avenue. I used to go to the Acadia Ballroom. I wonder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. want to date you. But. I'm talking like 1980, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, there were yeah. a bunch of good clubs then. Yeah. But I mean, Memphis, people, I mean, I've read about this in the New York Times, I think, travel section or arts, that you've really made it happen in Memphis. I mean, you took what was a very kernel of a scene, correct? Before 83. I mean, B.B. King is from there. That's where the music hit. There's that particular style of electric blues. It's really pops. And it's very, even though blues is supposed to come out of sadness in your soul, it's a very uplifting happy kind of of sound and it seems to me that you really combine that with economic development correct i mean have you had the spin-off effects you were hoping there i, I was saying carolyn to jump in memphis is just not about blues to be honest with you i mean it's uh -huh. about rock and roll rock and roll mm. there you go <laughs> <laughs> And we have we have fourteen all together. I just looked it up. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> is it mo is it mostly electric blues, like in the BB King style, or is it more or the John Lee Hooker kind of muddier sound, or is it acoustic blues? Like what what are you guys mostly featuring? I think um, it's the whole genre. To be honest with you, it's mm. not mm. a feature. Yeah. You can experience any genre of uh, blues in the city of Memphis is according to what you want to go to. I mean, if you go to the hard rock, you know, you're going to get them all up to date, uh, you know, up and comers uh, playing there. Uh, you go to B.B. King, it could be various uh, people playing in that, uh, in that venue. So, uh, I don't want to profess to be a blues specialist, but I am a mm. musician person. What kind of music do you play? What kind of music, music do you play, Michael? 
I'm an R&B guy, so I'm working on an album right now, being honest with you. So you work for the what? city. There we go. So you work for yes. the city as deputy chief information officer. <laughs> then you take your BMW to Gibbs out at one of the one of the fourteen one of the fourteen blues and rhythm and blues yes. clubs in Memphis. And what kind of stuff are you doing, Michael? Originals? Is it more like uh, Al Green R and B? Is it more like? Uh, mine more... is more kind of contemporary. All right. Uh, R and B. Uh, you know, you know, using the latest sounds, not the back in the day mm-hmm. type stuff. Do you have anything on you <laughs> anything on YouTube, Michael? Yeah. Where can we find your music? Uh no, I don't wanna I don't wanna mix careers. It'll be something coming soon, to be honest with you. But March or Dawn Memphis, is that you? Oh, no. I think. What, uh, what did you say? There's something called Marche dans Memphis, like marching down Memphis. Is that is that you? No, 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 no. <laughs> there's a Michael Jones who has music like that on on. Uh, I think. I, mean, uh, I think. I've Mike... heard my music. Well, a few people I've heard it. It's people I allow into my studio. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think uh, someone, Michael, you sound. I don't know if you watch a show Parks and Recreation, but you're sounding a lot like Ron Swanson. Who uh who uh is the parks director, uh in Parks and Recreation? Who also on the side is Duke Silver, a um who plays saxophone at ah, a, at a club. Good point. <laughs> well, Michael yeah, might not invite us into his studio yet, <laughs> but you've been invited into the. Hey, I'm gonna w- have to have y'all. We're gonna do the radio show from the studio. Yes, yes. you are yes. welcome yes. back, Michael, at our studio anytime. Because you're in right now the WNHH Radio Studio, New Haven's home for community radio. Broadcast at 103.5 FM and live streamed at newhavenindependent.org. We're talking about the news from Memphis, Tennessee with Carolyn Malone and R&B sideliner Michael <laughs> Jones. What other, what, other, what other news stories do we have coming out of Memphis, folks? Uh, let's see. Uh, speaking of HOAs, uh, I was intrigued by these couple of HOAs that were using C-ClickFix. So one is called... Uh, Country Hills HOA, and one is called, let's see, Walnut Gardens HOA. Uh, and they're interesting because Country Hills seems to report almost exclusively trash cans in public view. And it's just a picture. It's called trash cans in public view. And then usually either the description is just carts out are after hours or he goes into the actual like uh, the actual law language. Um, that, for example, Section 953, mm. um, uh, 23 hours during which carts may be placed outside property lines. Extension A it is unlawful for any person in possession, charge of, or control of any premises to allow the cart assigned to or used by that premise to remain in public view at any time other than between the hours of 6 a.m. and 7.30 p.m. on the regularly scheduled collection day. I, w- I want to apologize. I want to go out right right now on public record and apologize to my neighbors. If we reported uh, this, <laughs> I would totally be guilty. We're like a habitual Wednesday pull the trash in when the trash is collected on Monday morning. So, I mean, so you leave your trash cans out for two days? I, do you want to? You can report me. You are my, one of my neighbors. It's not about bothering me as a neighbor. I get worried that my mine's going to disappear because a lot of times the trash, yeah. the blue trash bins, uh. sometimes get dumped at the house next to you. I'm neurotic about it, Ben. It's not mm. about being a good citizen mm. at all. It's I'm neurotic. It's like as soon as I'm worried, am I going? Is it going to be po- picked up by the time I leave? Because I'm worried if by the time I get home, right. it's going to be a different driveway. Or something. Right. Well, when I go and report that I need a trash bin. You can call me out on it. All right, all right. But what's the deal in Memphis on this? <laughs> okay, the homeowner association that you were speaking about, the Country Hills, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I spoke to that gentleman, and I speak to him quite frequently, Mr. Walker. Um, he was wanting to know was there a, a, a ordinance against it. Yes, it is an ordinance. What, what the city would do, and we have so many habitual uh, citizens that leave their cars out after hours, after the seven o'clock or pickup day, uh, we will. What we would do, we'll go out and give them a, a letter. You give us the address, and we will give them a letter stating that you can't leave your card out after seven o'clock on your pickup day. Okay. Then the next pickup day, they will go back and recheck to see if this citizen is still doing the same thing. Now, the city has taken garbage cans, and we remove them from your property. And before we give those back, we will make contact with that uh, property owner or whoever lives at that home and state, okay, we're going to give you this back, provided that you follow the rules. And if they don't follow the rules, then we will take it indefinitely. And that is one of our one of our pet peeves among our citizens about leaving their carts on the curb. I'm like him. It don't bother me. Michael, you're not having it. When Michael's BMW's gun block, it's not going to run into any trash cans. I want to I want to hear an R and B riff <laughs> about <laughs> curb. <laughs> Mike, it's got to be your next R and B song. It's got to be the album cover, man. We got to have those trash cans. But you know something? My question, Carolyn, when I listen to you is. Are you guys sitting on a warehouse full of trash cans whose owners refuse to put a, take them back by 7 p.m.? And my second question is, what if they don't get home till midnight? Well, no, that's fine. Okay, what it is is habitual. Well, now, what they're due, the, the, um, the ones that are out in the field, Ms. Kimball's group, they're out in the field. They don't go exactly on that day. They will go the next day. So if you, of course, you pick up on Monday, the next day at 7 o'clock, the next day, if you come home at 12 o'clock, you still have your garbage can in, right? So what they do, they'll make that uh, little list of people they're going to go out and look, especially if you have a a, a multiple um, list, like Mr. Walker always sent us, it's like five or six people on the street. Okay, so they make one trip and they can see that those five or six people are leaving it out. Some of them leaving out a couple of days. So they just... They want to talk to them. I, I'll tell you the good part about it. Once they talk to a citizen, most of the time, they don't want you to take their garbage can. Who wants nasty garbage in their house because they don't mm-hmm. have a garbage can? Mm-hmm. Okay, so a lot of times when they after they make that contact and talk to them, then it, it not become an issue anymore. So it just takes one or two times. After that, we really don't have the problem anymore. Now, so who's talking okay. to them? Is it a homeowners group, Carolyn, or is it city officials? Who, um, who's Miss Kimball's no, group? Uh, city of Memphis. City of Memphis crew, it's a uh, it's our cart uh, cart central group that has um, a few people that goes out and do this kind of thing. Um, like I said, they'll go out most of the time after the pickup day, which is the next day. Okay, you have uh, probably up to twelve o'clock that day to get it up before they actually come out there. So you have plenty of time. I know we have people that are like on the road and may not be, but you you know you might need to talk to your neighbor and say, okay, pull my car back in. But we we have that uh, central. Uh, Central Carts uh, Division that'll go out and do that, and they're part of the Public Works Solid Waste Department. And Carolyn, I'm sorry I'm being a little dense about it. The law is that if your garbage is picked up on Monday morning, is it Monday at 7 right. p.m. that you have to have that card yes. up, or the Tuesday at 7 p.m.? Yes. No, 7 p.m. that night. But it's even if you don't day. get home okay. from work, or you want to stop and hear Mike's band down on Beale Street, hmm. and you don't get home till 11, <laughs> you, you got to have well, someone else well, come and get your crayon put away? <laughs> Well, the good thing about it is that once we pick your garbage up on that day, we're not going to be out there at 7 o'clock anyway. So we're going to be the next day anyway. Mm. 
So you won't. It won't be that you, we're gonna. Anyone's gonna be out because they get off at three o'clock. So in the words of Marvin <laughs> Gaye, you do have mercy on me if I gotta like wait or I'm sorry, yes, weather I, report. I have mercy you are gonna wait. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> then I am coming well, down there look- back. Okay. <laughs> 40th anniversary, I got to head there. You're right. <laughs> Carolyn, you know, we got time for one more news item. And boy, it's been such a pleasure sure. to talk talk to you folks in Memphis. And I appreciate so much that you're taking your time out mm-hmm. to help us in New Haven and some other cities listening to the show. Hear how one city's taking care of business from bike lanes to trash cans. And that crew sounds very interesting. What'd you say the name of that crew was of city workers who go door to door? It is our, it's Solid Waste. It's the Public Works Division uh, Solid Waste Department. Okay, okay Carolyn, do we, or okay. Caroline, do you have another um, news item before we go? Yeah, we do. We have a, so from the other HOA, this one is Walnut Gardens HOA, we have a drain flooding issue at 179 Walnut Gardens Drive. And the description, there's a natural public drainage easement located behind the homes that are along Walnut Gardens This drains our neighborhood and adjoining vacant land and forestry. Its flow has been severely altered by falling trees, animals, erosion, blockages, etc. It's so bad that the homeowners are experiencing landslides in their backyard. The drainage canal fills up, it's about 15 inches deep, and floods homeowners' yards while eating away at that property line. First of all, both both like a, a definitely a serious issue, but also kind of beautifully written. Um, which yeah, I love some of your writers. <laughs> exactly. Um, also, Walnut Gardens <laughs> adds one more picture and just a, a quick little bit in the in the comments. Another shot of landslides along the property line. Homeowners speculate that there's a blockage somewhere downstream along the bridge at Walnut Grove because the city has been trucking in rocks for a number of years to keep the bridge from washing away. Okay. Now, for the drainage, and I, I know the one you're talking about on Walnut, uh, mm-hmm. Walnut Gardens Drive, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what what the drain department, what, what would happen more than likely, a lot of times citizens, of course, they think the city's supposed to do this, okay? Um, <laughs> not necessarily means that this is the city's responsibility because uh, drains on private property typically are not city's uh, responsibility. They were, I think someone, they built a new subdivision where the Warner Gardens are, and we have talked to several citizens over there before about the draining of the uh, water. Um, I think it's going to end up being back in a developer's hand because of uh, how they built it and, and the way it was built and how the, the land washes down, the water washes down onto the property lines. So I know we had uh, a couple of before, I think in a couple of years ago, it was uh, an issue going on with that same subdivision. So I don't want to really speak on it, what the drain department is going to do, but just from my experience with this once before, um, it may end up still being um, um the property zone's responsibility, not the city's. But they're going to check on, and I do see they still have one open. Um, I think that's the one we were talking about. It's open about um, putting a natural public drain uh, easement behind these properties. So the city would do the investigation. It will probably be the engineering department first. We'll go out and investigate to see if it's warranted for a drain to be put behind the property. And then after that, the drain department will be responsible for maintaining it. So it actually went to the drain flooding department first, and they will probably send it over to the engineering department just to make sure that it is something that the city is responsible for. Well, thank you to Carolyn Jones. Thank you. I'm sorry, Carolyn Malone and Michael Jones from the city of Memphis, Tennessee. Thank you so much again for joining us on C-Click Fix Radio and keep up that good work on keeping your streets clean and safe for bicycling in Memphis, Tennessee. 
Thank um, you. Thank you all for joining us today on C-Click Fix Radio. Thanks to Caroline Smith and Ben Berkowitz of C-Click Fix. Thanks to Giovanni Zinn, the city engineer of New Haven, who came in the early part of the portion. And thanks to Yale New Haven Hospital for providing financial support for today's program. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience, not yet the Michael Jones R&B quintet, but the Afro-Semitic experience performing Eliyahu Hanavi from the group's 2002 CD, This is the Afro-Semitic Experience. And this is Paul Bass wishing you a day fixed with the light, truth, bike lanes, and guaranteed satisfaction. Hang with us all day and all night here at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio, for more local talk and music. Oh, 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 oh,